0: Well, hello and welcome back to another episode of Your Not So Anonymous Journal. This is honestly, if I'm being so transparent, maybe the fifth time that I'm trying to record this intro because I keep freaking stuttering and I'm just struggling this week. I really am. I literally have lost <laughs> literally have lost three out of my five senses throughout the course of this week where I can't hear out of my left ear because I think I don't I don't know. I'm not sure. I couldn't smell anything for like two days, couldn't taste anything for like two days. But now I can taste, now I can smell, I just still can't hear. So I'm like, come on. Anyways, enough about me. I'm super excited that you are here for today's episode because this one is probably the most real and relatable Not even relatable, but just like the most real and raw one in terms of someone else coming on and talking about their experience with therapy and making it, it makes you feel like, holy shit, I feel the same way. Or there are probably most definitely things within this episode that someone might relate to. And so I... I'm excited about this guest. Her name is Emily Rutherford. She is a good friend of mine. We literally became friends through the online space and we connected immediately in terms of our love and passion for personal growth, self-development, mental health, healing, and just all the things. And so having her on at some point was a no-brainer. And I also love that she gives her own experience just with therapy in general because I've come on and talked about my experience, but I think it's cool to have other people open up and talk about their experience with therapy and what they've struggled with in terms of their mental health and the things that they're working on and just helping people or just helping normalize therapy and that struggling with your mental health is okay and that there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing, you're not something that needs to be fixed. And so I'm just excited for you guys to listen. And so... Emily is also a social media manager in the online space, and I realized I did not ask her at the end of the episode where people can find her on social media, so I'm going to put all of her information in the show notes, so take a look down there when you're done, and without further ado, enjoy the episode, and I will talk to you guys soon. Emily, welcome to your anonymous journal. I'm so excited that you're here thank
1: you so much thank you so much for having me i'm like i'm so honored to be here and i've been looking forward to this all week i feel like it's a perfect friday morning thing to do
0: yeah and i feel like there are gonna be so many ideas and topics that you and i could probably go off on in this like on different episodes of you just coming on to your anonymous journals that i'm like we just need to have you on like let's just pick one let's talk about it and then down the, like, you're going to be on at least five more of these, I feel like. I love it. I'm so excited.
1: Sign me up. We could talk for 12 hours, honestly. So I feel like this is just kind of
0: scratching the surface. I know. That's why I'm like, will this be a 45-minute episode? I'm not sure, but we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I was, so I was actually, when I was writing these questions, I was thinking about, and I don't know if you have the, like, answer to this, but I was thinking about, like, how our friendship has literally, like we met from me reaching out to you on Instagram and then we became friends, but then somehow we transitioned to like our friendship being based on like mental health, healing, personal growth. And I'm like, how do two people that just meet randomly on social media get into that side of things? Like how, cause you do social media. I do website design. I'm like, how did we even get into that? You know what I mean? It's so funny that you brought this up because when you
1: invited me to do this podcast with you, I was thinking of that. I was like, I think it's been a little less than a year that we've known each other, like maybe eight months or so. And I was trying to think of the first conversation where we stopped doing like the small talk, like, oh, what do you do? Oh, that's fun. Tell me more. And we went to just like strictly hardcore mental health. I'm like, when did that transition happen but I feel like when you vibe with someone it just kind of comes super naturally and like that's what happened with us like I didn't expect you sliding into my dms and we would be here like eight months later you know I thought it was going to be like a one day small talk chat and now look at us
0: (laughs) yeah no seriously and I was just having a conversation with a friend of mine the other day and she was saying like she was telling me how she broke up with her boyfriend and all this stuff and she was basically telling me this whole story and it's someone else that I'm also friends with just through social media. And she's like, I'm so sorry to be like dumping all this onto you, like as like you're a stranger. And we've been friends on social media for a couple months now too. And when I heard her say that I was like, yes, I responded back. And I said, yes, maybe we are like technically quote unquote, like, I guess strangers, but when it comes to this aspect of our life, like the mental health, the personal growth, the healing, it's like, we are no strangers in that area. And I feel like that is literally the epitome of you and me. It's like, we are like, I know everything I feel like about you or most of it in terms of like your personal growth and healing journey, as well as I feel like you do mine. So it's like, I might not know everything about like your life growing up and I might not have known you for years, but like, we are definitely no strangers in like this aspect of our friendship.
1: Absolutely. I totally agree with you. And not to get too like spiritual or like woo wooey, but I feel like souls really connect and like they could recognize that in someone, you know, and it's just so freaking cool. It's so weird to think back from our first
0: conversation to now. It like literally blows my mind. Okay, so today we're talking about your experience being in therapy. I feel like, how long have you been in therapy at this point? So
1: I restarted my therapy journey consistently about six months
0: ago. Okay, so... My question to you just to get started is why did you start therapy in the first place? Like, was there a moment, was it a buildup of things going on in your life where you were like, I just need to do this? Or like, how did you get to the moment of being like, I'm going to seek out therapy and I'm going to actually take it like seriously and go for it? Totally.
1: So I guess like, I'll bring you back a little bit first. The first time I went to therapy, it was when I was 12 years old and I was always like a super anxious kid anyway so my mom was like okay i'm gonna take you to the therapist and i went and i was pretty open-minded but i was super shy as a kid so what the therapist told me and the reason i went is because my parents were fighting all the time so i was just like okay well i guess maybe this is it so i went and the therapist (laughs) made me draw a picture of a staircase and she was like okay now draw a little stick figure as yourself at the bottom of the staircase this is where you're at in life and it's going to be really hard to go up the staircase and when she said that to me after the end of our session my mom picked us up and i was like mom i'm never going back there like i can't so i feel like for about 13 years therapy just scared the hell out of me because i was like is that what they make you feel like You know, so it was really scary for me. So the reason I started therapy now at 28 years old was I noticed myself having more bad days than good. And I'm thankful because I had the self-awareness piece in me to be like, okay, you're blaming everything on other people. You're just having like really bad days and you no longer are like this happy kind of bubbly person. So it kind of clicked, like, maybe you should talk to someone. And I was like, the chances
0: of me running into that therapist again, slim to none. So
1: I think we're okay there.
0: Yeah. I feel like that's so interesting to think about how, like, I love that you just said I was having more bad days than good ones. Because it, like you said, it takes a level of self-awareness to realize that maybe this isn't how quote unquote, like my life should be normal. Like this isn't normal. There are things going on in my life where I don't feel fulfilled and excited for it. And so I just think that that's so interesting that you were like, okay, I feel like I'm just kind of out bursting at other people or finding the things that I would normally find enjoyable, not so enjoyable anymore. Like that's such an interesting way to look at it. Cause I feel like that's why I personally started to go to therapy too, because Well, mine was more like anxiety induced and things like that where life was being hard, but it's so true. It's like nothing in my life should have been bringing me down, but I was having more bad days than good days. So that's so like, did you have any like physical things going on in your life or like anxiety or anything like that that also kind of pushed you to go into therapy? I think it was so I moved from New York City
1: to North Carolina, we were in North Carolina for about four months. And then we decided to make the move from North Carolina to Texas. And I think the biggest thing for me was I felt a lot of guilt moving away from my family. Even when I moved from New Jersey to New York, I felt a lot of guilt, like because I am a diehard people pleaser. I like to say I'm a recovering people pleaser now. But I feel like when I feel guilt, I feel it physically. So I would feel my chest tighten and I would feel my throat get really tight. And sometimes it would happen like, oh, every couple of weeks. But then it started happening every day. And it wouldn't even be something I would talk about, like to Ben or anything. I would just always feel this tightness and I would be super quiet. And I was like, I used to be the person that kind of wouldn't stop talking or like funny or cheerful. And then when I started noticing that in myself, I was like, okay, I think it's time because now I'm starting to feel the physical side effects and I don't want that to transform into like a health thing, you know, because that's where a lot of diseases come from is stress and anxiety.
0: Yeah. I didn't know that you used to feel when you would feel guilty or a lot of emotions all at once that you would feel it in your throat, because I feel it in my throat all the time. And also, I wouldn't say as much of a recovering people pleaser as you, but it's definitely there. And, I feel like we feel it in our throat and tell me if you agree because whenever we would want to voice what we were saying, or if we wanted to say how we were feeling growing up, it wasn't really taken very well just because of other circumstances in our life that other family members were going through that made it hard for us to be able to fully express who we wanted to be. So I feel like that sits with you for forever until you're able to actually talk about it and get it out where it's like, in the meantime, until you get it figured out or until you go to therapy or you talk to someone, it's always going to just sit in your throat, like with your vocal cords. Totally. I absolutely agree with you. I think you said that
1: so well. And it's like, every time you want to speak up and you don't, or every time you want to ask for help and you don't, it just sits there because it's, there's nowhere for it to go. You know, so it's like, of course, it's going to do like some type of buildup. So it's so interesting to think about the physical aspect, too.
0: Yeah. Do you feel like you were like anti-therapy because you had a bad experience when you were 12 years old? Yeah, I definitely
1: was. And then when I was 22 and I was really in my party phase, I was with a long-term boyfriend at the time and we lived together. And again, I started to have like just really off days, but I would mask it with like going out with my friends and stuff like that. So then I decided to try therapy again. And I went twice and I just, there was nothing wrong with him. It's not like he said anything bad, but sometimes you just don't vibe with therapists, you know? um so i feel like i was scarred from my 12 year old experience i was scarred from my 22 year old experience and then yeah it was hard for me because there's also this myth around therapy that's like okay if you go there's something wrong with you and i kind of bring it back to high school like i remember there was this girl in high school that went to therapy and literally everyone made fun of her because they found out and i was like that is so scary and i didn't know what was scary about it but i kind of linked like okay if you go that means there's something wrong with you that means you're not functioning like other people who are just floating through life and like i don't want to say having things handed to them but kind of just living on a different level so to speak so i was just like oh my god like I also, I didn't fit in in high school. I was super insecure. I didn't have a lot of friends. So I was just like, okay, the last thing I need to do is go to therapy because that will just kind of reinstate that there is something wrong with me. So
0: I feel like there was a lot of trauma around therapy for so many years. Absolutely. And also, I think just adding on top of that, the idea that if you go to therapy And you don't vibe or you don't get along with your therapist or you're like, I don't like this. I don't want to go that that also makes you feel like there's something wrong with you because you're like, well, they're the professional. They're the authoritative person in the room. I'm the one that's coming to them for help. And since I don't want to be here, since I don't like this, then there must be something wrong with me. And that's how I felt for so long when I was about how old was I? 20, 21, when I went to therapy for the first time when I was in college. And I did not like my first therapist. She, I remember, like, also, like, my mom was there with me too. And I was like, why is my mom here with me? This is a little interesting, and which was odd. So I, like, didn't really love that experience because I also just didn't really like her. It was also, she was a lot older. She was super like overly professional, like by the books, which I didn't like either. And then the second one would always make anything that I said about herself. And I'd be like, why do I feel like anything that I'm saying to you, you're just relating it back to like your own experiences. This is weird. And I hate this. And it makes you never want to go back. And it does make you feel like something's wrong with you. Like you're not able to be fixed. Exactly. And
1: I think that's such a good point, because I'm like, okay, if this professional can't figure out what's wrong with me, then like, I must be bad. Like, I must not be in a good place. And then you leave not feeling confident, you leave feeling more insecure. And I kind of knew going into therapy, I was just like, I want to have those really emotional breakdown days in therapy, because at least they'll be healing. When when I was formerly in therapy, I would just walk out feeling like, oh, shit, I have to go again next week, you know, or like I would feel insecure. And like I wasn't even telling my therapist my truth at all because I was still trying to people please. I was just kind of saying stuff because I thought that's what they want to hear, which is a really weird mindset to have in therapy. But I was like, I've been a people pleaser my whole life. Might as well just try to befriend my therapist, (laughs) like that didn't work.
0: Yeah, and also I feel like there's such a difference and I think this goes for both you and I is like we felt like we had to go just because we had to go, like back with our former therapists versus now I feel like you and I, when we started getting into, you know, working with our therapists, we knew what our goals were. We actually were able to be like, okay, I know what I want to get out of this. I know why I'm going Like I have a deep enough why as to why I want to go and talk to somebody. And I feel like that also helps you find someone and actually want to put in the effort to find someone that you like. Because I think that also, unfortunately, it took us multiple therapists to actually find someone we like, but to also realize that there is someone out there that we will like. But yeah, I just feel like we always, at least for you and I, we felt like back then we just had to go because we had to go to fix ourselves. Now it's like, well, we're not really going to fix ourselves. We're just trying to understand ourselves. And in turn, that will help.
1: Exactly. It's like we were physically going through the motion, but now we have the mental connection, which I think with everything, that's what you need to try to have, you know, or like at least work on having. Yeah,
0: 100%. So what are you or what have you and your therapist been working on over the last year? Oh, do you have like
1: the next 10 hours to spare?
0: <laughs> Why don't we pick a top three?
1: <laughs> um, Perfect. I was like, I will keep you until Tuesday morning for sure. So I guess the top things that come to mind, the most important ones are people pleasing, some deep down anger, always playing the victim, like in every circumstance, working on not trying to control situations, guilt, and boundaries. And the last one I would say is forgiving myself. And I feel like that by far is the hardest thing because the people pleasing, the guilt, those are hard too, but the forgiving, it's, it's a whole different level, at least for
0: me. That's how I feel. Do you mind going a little bit into what you mean by forgiving yourself?
1: Absolutely. And I wish I had a really clear answer for you on forgiving myself because I'm literally every day I'm trying to figure it out. I think a lot of my memories either come from childhood, high school, or when I went through my party girl phase a few years ago and just how I treated some people and how I didn't stand up for myself and kind of let people take advantage of me. And what my therapist is helping me understand is yes, that was me, but that was a younger version of me. And I don't need to connect with her. The only thing I have to do is like send her love. And I know that sounds super cheesy because you're like, how the hell do you do that? But my therapist always says this thing, and she says it every time I talk to her for the last like eight months. She always starts the conversation and she says, How's little Emily doing? And when we first started, every time she would ask me that, I was like, Oh, she's like five years old. She hasn't made any progress. And literally, I think it was two days ago when I had therapy, she goes, Okay, how's little Emily doing? And I was like, Pat, that's my therapist's name. I said, she's at least 24 years old now. Like we are, (laughs) we are getting there. She is growing up. So yeah, I feel like that was definitely a vague answer but I think it's just whatever happened in the past not connecting to it and not putting your value in that anymore because we all do shitty things at some point in our lives, we all make mistakes but I used to be at the point where I would wake up at 2 a.m., think of something I did when I was 21 and probably like drunk or maybe I was even sober. And it was a stupid thing to do. And I wouldn't be able to fall asleep to like 6 a.m. So now when those thoughts creep in, I'm just like, OK, I can
0: actually disconnect from little Emily now, you know, Yeah. And I feel like we tend to identify as our older versions of ourselves, which I feel like is so hard to let go of because you're like, well, that was me. I did make those decisions. I did treat that person like that. And I felt the same way in terms of when I was in college and the decisions I made in college, and you and I were just talking about that where we were like, what was wrong with, like as a joke, but we were like, what was wrong with us? Like, what were we doing? Like we would never catch ourselves doing some of the things that we used to do. And it does tend to kind of haunt you to a degree because you're like, I don't want to identify with that person, but that those memories and those choices and those habits that I had, like they They were in me at some point, but something that I actually saw Jade post one time, she was talking to somebody else, I think some sort of therapist or anything, someone like that. But the, the one thing Jade took away from that was the guy said, instead of feeling guilty about it, why don't you reframe it in a way where it's like, you were doing the best you could with the tools that you had at the time to either survive whatever you were going through or to just make it through life. And it's like, it might not like from the surface level, it's like, well, so me drinking and getting fucked up and doing all that shit was me doing what I had with the tools that I had. Like that doesn't sound right, but I feel like it's true because the reason we drink or the re like drink heavy or the reason why we get into drugs. or the reason why we treat people like shit is because we're going through something internally and we're not sure what that is yet. We're not even aware of it, but it's like, the way that we coped was, that's how we coped. And it's like, that's the best we could do. And it's like, if you can take steps forward and grow and evolve and realize like, okay, that that was me then, this is me now. I don't identify as that person. That's so healing. I love that
1: so much. I love that perspective of, we use those tools that we had in that moment to survive or like to try to make ourselves feel okay to cope. I feel like that's such a great perspective on it. And it's so funny because I think of this pretty often. I'm so easy to forgive people, whether it comes to professional things or personal or, or family, whatever it is, I'm so easy to forgive someone. But me, if I make a mistake with one of my clients or with one of my friends or family, I will tear myself up about it. So if I can forgive so easily with other people, like if someone harms me and I'm just like, Oh no, like it's okay. And it wasn't that big of a deal. I'm going to forget about it within like probably 30 seconds of it happening. But if I make a mistake, I'm going to hold on to it for like to 48 hours. And then I won't feel good until I hear from that person again. And they talk to me normally because I'm like, okay, they aren't mad at me. And I'm just like, why am I doing that to myself? Because I'm forgiving such and such. So I just need to believe that they forgive me too. And I think that's a case of self-love and self-forgiveness too.
0: Yep. I was just going to say that. And this could be literally a whole entire other episode, but also, you know, attachment theories. Oh my gosh. I
1: know that you've been talking to me about them like the last couple of weeks and I am so interested.
0: Yeah. It's there's secure attachment, anxious attachment and avoidant attachment. And basically based on how we were, just to keep it brief, based on how we were raised, determines kind of what a type of attachment we create with other people in our lives. And so what you're explaining to me right now, which makes sense based on what I know about you is, and I have the same thing is anxious attachment theory. We have this fear of abandonment or that if basically our worth of a relationship or someone staying in our life is based off of what we do for them, all the things we can do. And If we feel like we're not living up to that expectation, we fear that other people are going to not like us as much. They're not going to care about us as much. They're just going to leave, you know, and it's a daily struggle to work on that. And it's, it's freaky, but I feel like that might resonate for you. That totally does. That makes so much sense. I feel like you just like
1: broke the code to be honest, (laughs) like because that's exactly what it is. Like I base a lot of my relationships value off of what the last last interaction was like. So this is so silly, but a year ago, if someone didn't put like an exclamation point in their text or their email, I'd be like, Oh my God, I'm a going to get fired. B, they don't want to be friends with me anymore. And I'm like, that is such a wild way to come into this life and just be like, everyone's out to get me. And that again, goes back to the victim thing that I also had to work through very deeply in therapy.
0: Yeah. Well, so speaking of things kind of creeping back into your mind and back into your life, what do you do personally? Like what are practices that you do when you find like these old thoughts or habits or anything like that start to like creep back into your life? I think one of the
1: biggest things that's helped me when these old habits start coming back instead of me reacting on them or just going right into them, because I believe that's where my ego is coming in. And that's where your ego is just like, okay, we want you to feel uncomfortable. We want you to feel like your old habits. We want you to feel like you're not in control. So now when old habits come up, I literally just sit with them for at least like two minutes, nothing crazy. And I say sometimes out loud, and I probably sound like a crazy person alone in my apartment, but I'll be like, okay, this is coming up just to test me. And that's all it is. Like, I don't have to react just because it's coming up. And I think that mentality has been such a game changer because I used to react on every emotion. If I was feeling angry, I would be angry for 48 hours and I would take it out on anybody in my way. If I was feeling sad, I would let everyone know I was sad. And then when I start flipping it, like, okay, I'm sad, but that's okay. And giving myself permission, then that's kind of where the game changed for me. And then remembering that even though I'm, so to speak, like relapsing emotionally, I don't even like to use that word but I've still made progress because these little tests are still going to keep coming up.
0: Yeah. And I, I love what you said, where you were saying like old, like your body will want to force you or keep you in that old state of yours, because it felt so comfortable for such a long time. Like that was your comfortable state. That was what felt normal for you is like, we've spent, you know, in our lifetimes, probably 10 plus years like with old habits and thought processes and things like that that it's like that was our comfortable that was our normal for so long so you being in therapy for a year me being in therapy for three years I mean it's I kind of like to think about it in terms of like exercising it's like okay well it took you x amount of years for you to get to whatever physical state you're in it's going to take you x amount of years you know to get that physical the physical state that you want to go. And it's the same thing in terms of like your habits. It's like, or like, you know, your mindset and things like that. It's like your old habits were there for however many years. It's probably going to take that many years, if not longer, because you're going to recognize more habits and things in your life. It's going to take that much longer, you know, to really feel confident and comfortable and have them, the new processes and mindset stick into your head, you know?
1: Exactly. And it's like the fresh slate effect that Mel Robbins definitely talked about in one of her podcasts. Like we always wait till a Monday morning or a New Year's. And we think once that New Year hits or Monday morning hits, we're going to be absolutely perfect. Every habit, everything we say, every emotion. And I'm like, okay, you think every mental state i've been in for the last 28 years is just going to disappear because it's monday morning at 7 a.m like
0: there is no way that's happening i relate to that so much it's it's tough it's it's not linear i will tell you that we know that so what do you feel like is the biggest difference between who you were a year ago so like old emily pre-therapy emily to current emily
1: oh man Honestly, I want to say everything, even though that's not totally legitimate, but I even think that I want to recognize myself from six months ago. And I would say the biggest difference is caring more about me and less than other people and not in a way that I'm like, mean about it or selfish, but I think I finally learned how to make decisions for me. And I don't need to make people feel comfortable about it. So one of the big examples I could give is when I moved from New York to North Carolina, a lot of people in my life had a really hard time with it. And I was like, I kept doubting myself. I'm like, okay, maybe I should stay. Maybe I should do this. So I feel like that's the absolute biggest thing is that I'm starting to care a lot less what other people think as long as it's not harming them and a lot more about like what I think.
0: Yeah. And that allows you to live a life that's so much more intentional. And I feel like it also helps you live in a more confident way where you're like, at this point, so-and-so can think or say whatever they want. So-and-so can do this or whatever, but I'm so confident in the person that I am. I know what I like. I know what I don't like. I know what I look for in relationships. I know what I don't and things like that to the point where it's like, you can go and say and do whatever you want. That is completely and entirely a reflection of you if you can't communicate that properly to me. And I'm not going to blink and I am not going to lose any sleep over it because I'm happy with who I am. and it took you a long time to get there. It's like, if you've been working on that for so long, you need to like, let that shine. You need to be so confident. Like I've been working on this and I'm not going to let this go to waste. I'm going to live a more intentional life and I'm going to be, you know, so authentically me and whoever wants to be there for it can be there for it. And if you don't, that's on you.
1: Exactly. And I think one of the scariest things that I think about is when I get to the end of my life and I think back to when I'm in my 20s, 30s, 40s, and I'm like, wow, I should have made decisions more based on how I wanted to live this life instead of other people. And I think of it in this way. If I make a decision and people around me are uncomfortable with it, like that's okay because chances are they might be uncomfortable for an hour, a day, a week, a month, a year, maybe even three years. But if I get five years down the line and I'm comfortable with that decision, that's the only thing that matters. Like their uncomfortableness is temporary, but mine
0: isn't. And that's where I think the huge difference is. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I love that outlook so much. So my last question for you is what advice do you have for someone who's been contemplating therapy? but isn't sure if it's for them. I love this
1: one so much. (laughs) The first thing I'll say is to be super blunt, just try it because you don't know if it's for you or not until you try it. The second thing I'll say is be prepared to go through numerous therapists because it's almost like dating, but you want to be super selfish. You don't wanna stay with a therapist just because you think it's the right thing to do. You wanna find someone that you totally vibe with, that you totally feel comfortable with. So definitely be prepared for that. And I would say, even if people around you aren't in therapy, it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you if you go. And you also you have the option to tell people you also have the option not to and really take control of your healing in this process. And then last thing, also realize that you're not married to therapy. Like, listen, if talk therapy doesn't work for you, that's okay. That also doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you, kind of like what we talked about before. So I would say those few things just go in super open minded to it. And don't feel like you need to be there. Like, don't feel like you're in an escape room, you know?
0: Yeah. And I think like on top of that, it's like, there's more than talk therapy, you know? And just to throw this out there, I mean, I've told you, like, I think that I, it's been three years and I think that I want to move on from talk therapy because I think I want to go into EMDR. And there's not, I mean, there's more than that. There are literally so many different modalities that are meant for specific things and they all do, they're different tools To help you in specific ways, but it's great because you can find the one that works for you. It might not be talk therapy, you know, it might be something else. And so I agree. It's like if you don't, you know, if you never try, you'll never know. And one thing that I'll throw into that as well is like, you're not supposed to deal with your mental health struggles alone. It's, it's, you really shouldn't have to deal with anything in life alone, even though at the end of the day, like you, only have yourself but it's like with mental health specifically you should never feel like that's something you need to deal with by yourself and people are there that actually do care about you and this is yes their job but they do it because there's a reason or something in their life that pushes them to want to help other people get better mentally or just like have someone to talk to literally if that so it's like yeah it's not something you're supposed to do all by yourself and you don't have to. Exactly.
1: And like giving yourself permission to be like, okay, I don't need to face this alone. And I think that's really hard for introverts and people who bottle up a lot of their emotions kind of go through because my whole childhood, I and my parents still say it to this day, like when you were a kid, if something was bothering you, it would be like pulling teeth to get it out of you. Because I probably didn't think it was a safe space, you know? So I feel like when I started therapy, it was hard for me to trust the therapist too because I was like, oh, am, am I allowed to talk? Like, is this okay? Um, so yeah, it's it's very interesting.
0: Yeah, agreed. Okay, we're gonna finish with some rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. All right, so first one, what is a misconception you think people have on therapy?
1: I would say what we talked about before is that, um, there's something wrong with you if you go. And I think this one's kind of funny that all therapists are super old and out of touch. I feel like that's
0: just a huge myth. Best advice someone's given you.
1: Oh, um... Okay. So actually Mel Robbins gave me this advice. And when I say me, she gave it to everyone who listens to her podcast, but I feel like she was in the room with me. So I'm going to say to me, um, no one is coming to save you and you have the choice to live a good or a bad life every day. And that it's also okay to have bad days. Like that's totally fine. And then The second one is it's not your responsibility to make other people feel comfortable about your healing journey, about your healing journey. And you don't need to explain yourself to anyone because honestly, not everyone cares (laughs) and that is okay. Like I'd rather people not care to me, not care about me to that extent. So I can keep healing, you know, like you don't have to run everything by everyone if it's has to do with your healing journey.
0: When you're stressed what's one thing you do to calm down?
1: Usually I'll go for a long drive and I'll get a drink from like a coffee shop and I'll just drive usually it's to the beach and I'll listen to music. Another thing I started doing this recently is asking myself if what's stressing me out is going to impact me in a month. And usually the answer is no. And then another thing I do is EFT tapping. And I used to do this a lot more frequently, but now I would say I only do it like once a month, which I'd like to get back into. And EFT tapping is emotional freedom technique. And it's where you literally tap points on your body and speak something into existence. So if I'm feeling anxious, I'll tap the side of my temples multiple times and I'll be like, I'm feeling anxious. I'm still safe or stuff like that. Just affirmation. So those three things have been super helpful for me. Three traits you look for in friendships slash relationships. One thing for me is a sense of humor (laughs) and I know that's not like the deepest of answers, but I feel like I really vibe with people who have some sort of sense of humor. Authenticity is huge and effort. I think when you're in a friendship, a relationship, anything, you don't just want it to be one sided. I'm also the type of person that really likes their space and alone time. And that's how I recharge but if a friend texted me and invites me somewhere or just checks in on me, that like hits a love language. Like that literally hits my heart so deep. So I think those are all super important
0: things, at least for me. Yeah. Uh, last one favorite mental health podcasts or Instagram pages to follow? Oh, um, definitely
1: Mel Robbins because you introduced me to her and. I probably listen to her at least four times a week. I'm absolutely obsessed with her. Another one is Jay Shetty and his wife, which I totally forget her name, but she's amazing as well. And then Melissa Wood Tepperberg. I think she goes by Melissa Wood Health on Instagram. And Yeah. She just talks a lot about meditation and slowing down and being present. So yeah, those are my favorites for sure. Amazing.
0: Well, Emily, we finished up. Thank you so much for coming on.
1: We did it. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm so excited to keep listening to your podcast. You're another one of my favorites. I should have included that.
0: Yeah, how dare you?